In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has brought us together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it was about two years ago I started noticing that in the signature line of several uh, people that were emailing me, I started noticing this new thing appearing in that signature line. And this new thing was, um, uh, the, it would you know, kind of say, you know, Joe Schmo, and then their contact information, and then underneath that it would say, preferred pronouns. Uh, you know, he, his, him, uh, things like that. And I was like, oh, you know, this made me very happy. As an old English major, uh, it's always great to see people being like, hey, here are my favorite parts of speech. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Now, realistically, what that had to do with is a, a conversation that our nation's having about um, the sociological idea of gender and how that relates or doesn't relate to sex. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about language, which is more exciting than sex, right? Right. All right. <laughs> At least got somebody to say right. Okay, good. So, uh, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is great. Preferred pronouns. You know, I can start listing things too. You know, here are my preferred prepositions. To, from, around. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, and so you, you had this sort of idea of, of okay, these are the, the preferred pronouns for me. This is what I want you to call me. This is, you know, uh, just at the beginning of service, we, we had you tell somebody else what your childhood nickname was, and maybe that was something that you preferred, or maybe that's something that you're like, I'm not telling anybody what that was, because it's so embarrassing. But there is something to that. You know, we, we like to be able to have some control uh, over what we're called. You know, we like to be able to say, Hey, this is what you can call me. You can call me, you know, uh, some people are very big, especially we're here in the South. Uh, you know, you can call me sir. Or, you know, it's, for some of us, yeah, hearing our first name is like music to our ears. And, and so if somebody calls us by our first name, we're automatically predisposed to say, well, I'm going to do what they want me to do, whatever that is, just because they used my name. And if somebody murders our name, we go, I hate that person. No matter what they ask me to do, I am not going to do it because they messed up my, my name. Well, well, there's something to that sense of being called what we want to be called and having these sort of preferred pronouns. And, and really, in a lot of ways, uh, what we're doing today is, is we're sort of setting the foundation for this book of the letter to the Ephesians. So this letter to the Ephesians is, has a lot to do with pronouns, actually. Uh, what's going on in this letter to Ephesians is that Paul, scholars think, is doing something that is maybe a first in the Christian church for its time. Now, there are scholars that sort of disagree with this, and, and you know, they go back and forth. But some of the scholars think that this may be the first instance of what people call a Catholic epistle. Now, that doesn't mean that they're writing about the Pope. It doesn't mean that you know, they're, they're trading ways to pray the rosary or anything like that. A Catholic epistle was a general epistle. It was an epistle that was written to all of the churches in a given area. And, and this would have been a new thing 
for Paul because Paul was used to writing letters to individual churches. We know that because we have those individual churches' names as the letters' names. And so you have the letter to the Galatians, which is very clearly a letter to the people that live in Galatia. It has a lot to do with the things that they're dealing with in Galatia. It mentions specific people that only live in Galatia. You have all of those sort of specifics. But here, this letter to the Ephesians, it appears that it was a letter that was either starting at the church of Ephesus and was meant to be shared with all of the churches around it, or that that was going to be its final destination. That it was a letter to the Ephesians, but it was like Pony Express style letter to the Ephesians, where it was like, okay, this letter is going to the Ephesians, but it's going to make stops in these different cities as it's going along. And what this letter was supposed to do, and you can really see this, if you read the letter to Ephesians, if you just go home today and you read the whole thing, I promise you, it won't take you over an hour. If, if you just go home and you read it, you, you can see that one of the things that Paul is doing is he's bringing together Christians under this sense of the headship of Christ. And so what Paul is doing here is he's taking this thing that was very much sort of a loose confederations of individual churches throughout the Mediterranean. And he's saying, hey, you know what? Even though you guys are individual teams on your own. So the church of Galatia, you're your individual team. The, the church in Laodicea, you are your individual team. Even though you're your individual teams, we're all a part of something bigger together. And that something bigger together is actually more important than your reality that you see every day today. And of course, we know what that's like. Not in terms of knowing that we are the church in Tallahassee. Well, because we're not. There's a lot of churches in Tallahassee. In fact, even within our specific tradition, Lutheranism, there are five Lutheran churches here in Tallahassee. And so we know what it's like to kind of be separated, to, to have this sense of, hey, we're the church, but they're the church too, but we don't know much about them, and we maybe may not like them. Well, that's what's going on here with the letter to Ephesus. Paul is saying, hey, let's all get it together. And he's not saying that in a way that's saying, hey, your individual churches are bad. And, and so that's the case for us too. It's not that our individual churches or that our individual denominations are bad. It's just that they're not ultimate. And what Paul is concerned about here is the ultimate reality. And so denominations are actually a very good thing. Local churches are actually a very good thing. Because you can't love somebody in the abstract is basically the reason for that. Have you ever met that person who says, oh, I love people? The next time you meet somebody like that who says, oh, I just love people, you have my permission to just point at them and yell and say, liar! Because nobody loves anybody in the abstract. You just can't do it. Love is not something that you can do abstractly. You have to do it concretely. You have to love individual people. You can't love us all unless you're Jesus. 
And even when you're Jesus, you still love us all, concretely and individually. You just have the capacity to do that with all of us. So what you have going on here is that Paul is really saying, hey, we need to shift this from the perspective of the pronouns me and my, and particularly mine, to the pronouns us and we and ours. And that's what he's doing. He's saying, hey, let's get it all together. Let's bring this all together under the headship of Jesus. Which all of us are like, hey, yeah, that sounds great. Except when we start applying that to our individual lives. Because then we have to go, oh, that means me too. That means that I somehow need to say that I am a part of a body. That means that other people need to be able to rely on me, and I need to actually be able to rely on other people. And that's difficult for us, because we're sinful. Because we like to say, this is mine. And a part of the reason that we like to say that this is mine is because if we say this is mine, we feel secure in that. We feel like, hey, I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody else to take care of me. And in our heads, we develop this fantasy that says, if I finally get enough stuff that is mine, well, then I don't have to worry about anybody else not fulfilling my needs. And at the ultimate end of that, we actually think, well, if I have enough stuff that is mine, well, then... I don't even need God. I I can just handle my own business. And you can see how dark of a place that gets you. That gets you to the dark place that is the end of Scarface, if you've ever seen that movie. It's a very dark place. Because we need community. We, We need other people around us. We need actively to be shifting time and time again to me and my and mine to us and we and ours but the problem that we have doing that is that we feel like we can't contribute to the needs of other people because we're still thinking in this mind paradigm and we're still thinking in this paradigm that says hey this is mine and I can't give you any of mine because if I give you some of mine then I'm not going to have it and I'm going to be insecure about that because I have needs and you do But that's not what Paul is arguing here, actually. What Paul is talking about here in the book of Ephesians is he's not talking about our needs as human beings. Instead, what he's talking about is our resources. And those are dramatically different ways of looking at this text. In fact, those two ways of looking at this text will determine how you read Ephesians 5 and you get to that nasty bit about husbands and wives and you start getting angry about things. If you start getting angry about it, you are approaching it from the perspective of need. Because you're going to be saying, hey, at the end of this, somebody is telling me to do something that I don't want to do because, well, they need this. Or I need to do this. 
But that's not what's going on in the book at all. What's going on in the book is that Paul is saying, we have this resource. And this resource is Jesus. This resource is the head of the church. This resource is the guy who got crucified, died, and was buried. Who ascended again into the heavens. And that's the perspective for all of Ephesians. For all of Ephesians, Jesus is not on earth. Jesus is in the heavens. And Jesus has commissioned us to be his body. And that that's a good thing. Because what's going on in Ephesians is that, well, we've shifted. We've shifted another pronoun. We've shifted from a pronoun that is Jesus died on the cross for you, singular, to Jesus died on the cross for y'all. I mean, that's the closest that we have to the second person plural in English. It's not my fault that it only exists in the South. (laughs) But that's an important perspective. Because it puts us all, like the title of the sermon series, in one body. So that we share in the resource of that one body who is Christ. That we're not approaching this in terms of our needs, but that we're approaching this in terms of our resource. That Christ has taken care of all of our needs. That is the huge message of Ephesians. Christ is taking care of what your needs are. He has even filled up the voids in your life to overflowing. To the point where you have resources that you can share those things with other people who believe in Jesus Christ. That he has commissioned you to be his body. To be perfect. To be sinless. And to love one another. Not because you're so good on your own. But because Jesus has a preferred pronoun. And that preferred pronoun is us. We. In fact, he came to this earth in order to become one of us so that he could be a part of our we. He came to this earth so he could be a part of our us. He came to this earth so that we could all be together with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit forever in the resurrection. And as he has done that, it is our reflection of that to look at one another today And to consider ourselves a part of that we. Because that's what Christ has made us. So now may you this week. Especially in your most alone moments. May you remember. That Christ has died on the cross in order to forgive your sins. That Christ has died on the cross in order that you may be baptized. But also that Christ has died in order that you would be a part of our eternal y'all.
Amen. Please rise.